All right. Hello, 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 people. This is a very special swap cast today, and um, we have none other than... What's your name, lady? Juke. <laughs> we have Juke from Project 99 Podcast, which is a really excellent podcast. And what's so synchronistic, I think, about this is um, her and I and her co-host, of course, have about the same amount of episodes. And as far as I can tell, we've been doing this about the same amount of time, too. Um, now, I'll say uh, her audio quality and production value is a little bit better than mine, but um, I was really excited when we got connected, which was a really weird circumstance. How did you even meet our, our mutual friend, Tyler? Like, how, uh, how I honestly have no idea. I think he uh, sent me a friend request, and I've, I have no idea why. I feel like I've been getting a, a shit ton of random friend requests, and I'm like, whatever. If you people want to add me, I'm going to uh, harass you with my podcast, so I'll just add all of you. <laughs> and uh, he and I started talking just because um, he has some of the similar views as me and posts just shit that I agree with. So we started talking and he's like, Oh, you do a podcast. You should, you know, meet my friend or whatever. And that's how it happened. <laughs> Damn. And so your ideas, cause y'all aren't geographically connected at all. He lives down here in South Mississippi and you're in West Virginia. So right. it was, it was actually the, the content of your ideas and the quality of your ideas that, that brought that. That's really cool. I feel like that's the, the best type uh, of friends that I make <laughs> because it's just like, you try, I try to make friends locally, but um, I am in West Virginia, and uh, <laughs> I don't share a lot of the views of people here, and I do like to, like I always say, like we were talking about the echo chamber earlier, I don't like to be trapped in an echo chamber, but it's hard to have conversation if people are not also of that mindset, so if they kind of want to be in their own echo chamber, they don't really receive me very well, so yeah. <laughs> I find that I get along with uh, people online that I, no matter where they are, if we can just connect on some level of basic same interests. Yeah, that's that's a really interesting point there because it's not so there's there's the brand of person that can't have a discussion with somebody based on, you know, difference in beliefs, right? And those are like at the at the ground level beliefs, like what is your opinion on abortion? What is your opinion on gun rights? But what we're saying is that we can find common ground with anybody who's willing to have an open discussion, who's not like set in that they're right and so right that they can't even discuss it. Like that's the only kind of person I can't ever agree with is somebody that's not willing to explore ideas, you know, because I'm I mean, everybody should be willing to suspend their disbelief and maybe play with the concept that they're wrong to learn more and maybe fortify what they know already and what they thought before, you know, fortify, bolster it with more information or evolve and refine it, you know, and that I mean, that just at the individual level makes you so much more of an effective person, you know, like. And that's what really clinging to truth instead of just like tradition or, you know, whatever groove you got in would be. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like, uh, I don't know, I, I'd like to listen to different points of view, especially because I am so much into politics and I'm trying to get people, um, especially through the podcast, to kind of break the idea that you have to be on one side or the other. Because it's like when, in my opinion, when it comes down to it, it should be all of the people versus the government like they should be working for us regardless of what issue that is um and i think for too long we've just accepted like these poor you know these piss poor excuses of well there's nothing we can do we're at a stalemate like that's just that's not good enough for me so i feel like um if we could just talk to people and be like listen okay we might not agree on abortion but you know we have a healthcare crisis in our in our state and or in our country and we need to discuss you know other things that don't revolve around this i mean i think politicians really benefit off of the hot button issues that divide people 
And just on a person to person level, we have to stop allowing that. Yep. And it's so much easier to get tricked when you're completely bought into it on faith instead of like looking into it and on reason. Right. And that's when they slip shit in, because we all know it's not like red versus blue. It's these elites at the top who really don't give a fuck what color you are and are like what red or blue, what color or race, what color, you know, they're pitting us all against each other anyway. Right. Um, you know, they, they have, they, they could give, yeah, they, they just don't care at all. And it's, and it's them pitting us. And that's the same context with every war, with everything else. And so when you buy into your team, those same people at the top leak that information down and you're actually doing their bidding and you're thinking you're on the good side, you know, and like shit, like, I think there's a lot of See if I still get you there. You cut out for a second. Oh, shoot, really? Where yeah, there you're good. I can hear you now. <laughs> okay. But the thing you said, yeah, doing doing their bidding, uh, that's that's a really good way to put it, because I think that all the time, um, I, I don't I don't uh, people who defend corporations uh, who can't pay their bills. You know that I, I don't get that. <laughs> I don't understand that. You know, uh, they sell this ideology to people and. Uh, that is what gets me. I feel like if I could just have a conversation with someone, I'm like, listen, if you walk away feeling the exact same way, that's fine. But like, just hear me out, you know, but most mm -hmm. people, most people um, they just they aren't just even aren't willing. willing. <laughs> yep. Yep. And you know, what's so funny, I, I think this is what we have right now is this like socialism is a hot button issue. Like, is it something we do? And or so there's some people that are proponents of it, but every, all the Fox news, uh, sheeple all the people that you know are just buying into the tucker carlson shit they are all for corporate socialism they right, don't call right. it that but we have socialism already we just give the buyouts and the bailouts to the people who need it the least and when they fuck up at a corporate level like when gm went under because they made shitty cars i mean they just made terrible cars that's why they went under we bailed them out that's corporate socialism you know like what <laughs> Why? So why are people that fall on hard times because the job economy is shit, because the dollar is inflated, you know, because um, technology is moving in a way that we're not actually prepared for it, all of these circumstances that have nothing to do with the individual? Why do they not get a bailout? You know, that this is circumstance that you know, that they had no control over, whereas GM had all the control over what they did they played way too much risk they made terrible cars and overcharged for them and in business that just means you go out of business you know and that's the way it's the way it was at some point and i guess that's the way those fox news people still think it works but you know i don't know how they deal with the cognitive dissonance of all those bailouts and and still like be down with giving corporate tax breaks but hiking up income tax you know right what I mean? yeah yeah and i feel and like, I feel like uh, uh, I can kind, I can of, kind understand of understand the bailouts if, you know, it was going to be turned around to like, okay, we're going to bail out your company, but we're also seizing it because we had to use tax dollars to do this. So now all the cars that get produced out of these factories are going to be sold at like an extremely affordable price, like <laughs> something that uh, actually invests back into the people whose tax dollars you use to do this bailout. Like, mm -hmm. but no, they just bailed out and now they uh, make money and do business as usual. And it's completely unfair, that, which is why when people try to argue with me about things like uh, food stamps or things like that, I'm like, do you understand how small of a percentage that is? It's not that I'm not also frustrated if I do know that someone's abusing it. That's obviously wrong. 
But I'm like, I'm just more angry about this shit at the top. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's a yeah. larger percentage of our money. It's a bigger problem. Like, I just I guess I'm not worried about the guy down the street who may be abusing his benefits because it's just nothing compared to the shit that goes on <laughs> at the yeah. top. Yeah. If you're worried about the yearly expenditure on food stamps, then I then you should watch the video that was posted the day before 9-11 of the Pentagon director saying that they lost $23 million. We don't know where it went. Sorry. You know? Right, hey, yeah. And, and then the next know, day, the tower with all the records that would tell us where it went, bam. The office of the Pentagon where all those records were held, where we could put the shit together and where that missing money went, blew up. And nobody's mad about that and about that missing money, but money going to feed people who are destitute? Oh, no, no, no. We cannot have that. That lose you again, Juke? Uh-oh. We're having some connection issues here, it seems. Oh, hey, Juke, you're on mute. Can you hear me? Oh, sorry. I'm using my phone to hit the button. Um, but you look at places like Chile, where they were uh, riding over the cost of subway going up. And it's like <laughs> the shit that goes on in America, people are just like, oh, yeah, I guess this is fine. Like... <laughs> Yeah, it just totally shocks me. I mean, when 9-11 happened, I think people were so distraught because they believed it was a terrorist attack that they didn't look for it. But I mean, even in cases with these bailouts, I don't know why after we bailed out all these banks and uh, like GM, all these companies, why people weren't rioting then, because there was no other distraction going on to be like, oh, well, maybe it's this, maybe it's that. No, we clearly just bailed them out. Yeah, and I'm like, I, you know what I mean? I just I don't understand why people weren't in the streets then, like shut this down now. But I think that's why in America we continue to have these problems because our people are just apparently occupied enough to not be concerned with it. Yep. Yep. We've got just enough comfort to where, you know, doing anything about it might mean we don't have that comfort for a little while. So, you know, nobody takes to the streets for it. And yeah, um, I don't know. Like, I, I, <clears throat> I, this is this is probably a good jumping point to talk about our our isms. You know, I don't know if you ascribe to any isms or or ists. You know, um, but I'd I'd like to get an idea of what you consider where you stand at on the political spectrum and like government and what what in your mind what would be the ideal form of government and maybe how we get there. Okay. Yeah, I think that uh, my biggest thing on this is that I always say. Some of these politicians obviously have more experience and more knowledge than I do. I'm never going to pretend like I'm the almighty, like I, I know what's best uh, yeah. because there just are people with more knowledge than me. But if I had to subscribe to um, a system that would work, I would say, well, we know that full on socialism doesn't work and we know that full on capitalism doesn't work. Mm -hmm. And this strange mixture that we have in our country doesn't work. <laughs> so. I would say to look at other countries, some of which uh, do it in this kind of democratic socialist way and um, maybe take notes from them. I mean, I don't I don't know what the big idea of that is. I think people get hung up on the label of socialism. But I think that um, we do kind of have a method of that here already. I mean, people on Medicaid, it's, it's government insurance. I mean, that's they're just kind of trying to expand that in a bigger level. Um, yeah. And personally, I liked Bernie Sanders, not for all of his ideals, but I just think that the president, once they actually get in office, the things that they managed to get through 
Um, you know, I don't, I don't think he's going to get through on everything, obviously, to think that would be crazy. Um, so I just think that if he got in and his biggest goal was to get money out of politics and to make the rich pay their fair share, then that gets my vote all on its own because everything else may go by the wayside. Um, yeah. Because I definitely don't agree with him on guns. I'm a gun owner. I mean, I, people put me in the left box and they think that I must be afraid of guns. But every one of my family owns guns. We're in West Virginia. And there's there's just a lot of things like especially on immigration, open borders. I don't believe in that. I've traveled all over Europe. Everywhere I went, I had to have a visa. I had to fill out paperwork. I don't have any issue with strong borders, um, which also for some reason when they put you in the left, they think that you want like open borders. And I definitely don't think that. So um, yeah. I just I have the basic belief that it should be the government working for the people and that we should be able to um, – have our own individual rights. Um, and I also think that the way that we've let states and small and city governments, all of those, the, the, the restrictions that they impose in themselves is kind of bullshit. I mean, I know we have an ordinance on our city that doesn't allow people to use vapes outside. What? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So crazy. Can you right? smoke so, outside? Can you smoke cigarettes no, outside? No, you can't smoke cigarettes, can't use vapes, anything. So I went all out with the health department over this and they basically had no evidence no information i'm like the cdc the only reason they're against this is because they have flavors and they say it's marketing to children they don't they're not arguing any health risks that are more detrimental than smoking no amount of facts i provided to these people changed anything so i'm just like from the smallest city level to the state level to the federal level there's there's all these bullshit things that take away our freedoms like one after another and i i hate that i'm completely against that so the idea of like Believing 100% socialism where the government controls everything, I'm, I'm, I'm against that. I don't like that. But I feel like there are aspects of it that we can implement that would be helpful. I, do, I don't know why people get hung up on the one or the other. If we could yeah. just mesh together and find something that works for all of us, then we would be better off. I mean, people bring up, you know, oh, this stuff is free. How would you ever pay for it? And I'm like, well, maybe we should start breaking down like the amount of money we give to Israel or the amount of money that we spend making weapons that then we never use and sell to other countries. Like, let's look at these issues and stop bickering about, you know, gun rights and abortion. Let's kind of focus on the economical aspect, which I don't know. I, I didn't want Trump to get elected. I didn't believe in a lot of the things that he said. And I didn't trust him because any candidate that takes money from anyone I don't trust. And although he didn't take directly, I could basically see that he was going to get in this position to better his business. <laughs> so yeah. I didn't like that. Um, but when he ended the TPP, the, tr the Trans-Pacific uh, Trade Agreement, I, I was for that. And that was another thing Bernie Sanders was for. And I'm like, look, this is I'm trying to use this as Bernie supporters. Look, Trump did this thing that Bernie also wanted and vice versa. Like, can we kind of bridge the gap here to see that, like, not all of these ideas are awful. So he has done some things that I'm like, OK, not bad. Like, obviously, I'm not going to root for him to fail because that's just stupid. Like, I don't I don't want that. Um, but I just think overall, as a whole, he's he's corporate interested, even if it's only in his own corporations. And um, I don't like that. So I, I don't know how to I don't know how to put myself in a in a label. Don't put yourself in a box. No, you, right. you just described it with a lot of nuance and you bounced between <clears throat> No, that that was that was that was a very good way to explain it. Yeah, so I feel like um, I just feel like people should have their own rights and they shouldn't be infringed upon. And you know, to a certain extent, I don't think people should be able to own bazookas. But like, I don't see anything wrong with people owning 
guns. Uh, I know several people that have AKs and none of them are nut jobs and they went through the proper, you know, channels to get them. And it's like, I don't see anything wrong with that. So the idea that we just ban all of that, I mean, I know so many people in West Virginia that owns these guns and, you know, nothing like that has ever happened here. So I'm, I'm kind of, I, I kind of look at the Republicans in that field where I'm like, if you guys want to keep your guns, that's fine. I'm on that side, but maybe then we focus on like, you know, the mental health aspect, because that's also a huge problem in West Virginia. Like, you don't want to ban the guns, fine. But then the other option is, like, what's wrong with the people who are doing this? So, like, let's focus on that issue. But it just, each yeah. tragedy happens, and then it gets swept under the rug because we're all complacent where we are. So until until we actually are, I, I don't know when America's going to get to that point. Because when you can see dead kids on TV, and you don't think to do anything about, you know, gun laws, and the Democrats are on one side saying ban the guns, and the Republicans are on the other side saying no, absolutely not. You get nowhere, and we all just let that happen. <laughs> yeah, man, that there was a juke. There's a lot of information you just unpacked. I was trying to, my hand was trying to keep up with my notes. So, uh, <laughs> but I just wanted to touch on a couple of things you said in there, um, particularly. You're very right about Trump's campaign funding. One of I did some research into it when the whole Epstein didn't kill himself thing came out because uh, there were so many people that were just like on very little evidence saying that there's no connection between Trump and Epstein and like. Making like nobody really posed like the idea that they were connected, but then people started coming out and and trying to prove that there wasn't a connection. It looked a little fishy to me, so I looked it up, and this company called uh, Palantir, um, uh, the guy, this guy named Peter Thiel, I believe, um, he is one of the biggest campaign contributors to Trump, and that company Palantir is an Israeli-based um, cybersecurity company, and they focus on. Um, facial recognition software profiling like using the cyber to track people and Epstein was also a board member of that so yeah there's some weird connections to his campaign funding and when all that shit started coming out I definitely changed up my thoughts on Trump for sure um, but yeah that, that was just a little side note there but um, I think probably the most important thing you pointed out in all of that was that every I think every government in history every civilization there are parts to it that you got to lay out on a map and you got to separate the good from the bad, the functional and practical um, from, you know, the ones that might just be wisdom to learn what went right or what went wrong. But like every culture has that in it, you know. So when we when we move on from this culture, it's going to be so important to look back in in retrospect and and see what went wrong and what we did right. You know, just because it went bad, you can't just put it all and do the opposite, you know. That's not really a, a very scientific way or, or effective way to get to the truth, you know. Right, and a and very then, important thing to note about that is that if people think uh, that that don't like Trump, or people who do, after the Trump presidency, whether that comes in November or if it comes after his second term, if they don't think it's going to swing so far left, <laughs> they're mistaken. This is what always happens. We get someone very right wing, we get someone very left wing. This is this is how this mm -hmm. goes back and forth. And the doors that Trump has opened. By basically just doing whatever he wants with no consequence, we, everyone has to keep that in check for the fact that even if you like Trump and you have no problem with it now because he's your pick, when someone else gets into office that's on the opposite end of the spectrum, all of those doors have been opened now. So yep. this is an extremely important part of you need to not be a part of just one side and you have to look at this as a whole because the next guy that gets in there has now, you know, knows that he can get away with all of this. So. Yep. I think one of my biggest fears is that, you know, Joe Biden is running right now and he's already said that he'll put uh, I think he said he put Beto in charge of gun policy. And Beto yeah. came out and said, well, I'll take all your guns. And I'm yeah. like, so 
you know what I mean? We all need to kind of pull it together here and look at it as a whole because Trump's not going to last forever. So, but anyway, I didn't mean to interrupt. That was just no, <laughs> no, that was, no, that's, that was a very good thought. Very good thought. Um, uh, so I might be able to tie this back into that exactly, but just jumping back, like I like to look at the happenings of World War II as because uh, I think that was the last big war. That was the last really big power shift. Right. And things have kind of just been growing cancerously since then, in my opinion. And based on my research, um, and I, this is why I love having political discussions with people, especially left leaning, because there's the perfect entry point to a huge conspiracy theory. And it's when they say Marx had some good ideas. I go, yes, you are exactly right. He did. He did. His critique of capitalism was spot on. And I didn't know this, but actually Karl Marx coined the term capitalism. It was like his uh, he thought of it as like a slanderous thing to say, but then the capitalists just owned it anyway. So he had lots of critiques on the American and the British system of capitalism and was completely right. And it was a really good jumping point to talk about socialism for him. Right. Because like, look at this capitalism thing. It's not for the people. We're making something for the people. That is a very good populist pitch to run on. And it's one you can you can convince enough people to to have multiple Bolshevik revolutions all across the all across uh, Europe, right? And so it seems like at the beginning of World War II, um, the Brits and America, we were buddy buddy with Stalin, you know. And in fact, there were a lot of personal letters between Stalin and uh, and Roosevelt at the time, you know, like praising each other on on their different systems. And at the in the same in the same breath, I'd like to also say in the pre-war years. There were a lot of friendly notes and friendly comments between Adolf Hitler and Roosevelt because they were both socialists. Hitler was also a socialist. That's something we don't like think about. And so was Karl Marx. But there was it was it was two different kinds of socialism. One was centralized socialism just within the small scale of a country and like and uh, delineated out. And it didn't have a part of the central bank. That was a big part. But uh, the Soviet style of socialism was connected to a central bank, was much more centralized just altogether. And that's why I guess it had to have you know, tyranny. To, you, you had to have a violent overthrow for it. So like, you know, and so I, it's which one's more taboo in your opinion, Juke, to say, yeah, Karl Marx had some good ideas in, in 2020 or Hitler had some good ideas in 2020. Like, mm, I feel like uh, just based on how people would receive it, that saying. Hitler had good ideas would would probably be more shocking to people. Yeah. Uh, which I love these questions because I cancel culture is such a big thing and I always push the mm-hmm. limit on our podcast. So I'm like, well, yes. this is this yes. is canceled, but I'm gonna say it anyway. You um, found it in me then. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I would say Hitler just for the simple fact that um, especially in American history, we're only taught the bad, um, and none of the ideas that he may have had. We can't separate ideas from people. We're actually just seeing this with uh. Oh, what was the guy? Uh, they call him Hardball Chris because he has the TV show. Chris Matthews, I think, um, was comparing <laughs> shooting people in Central Park to Bernie Sanders' presidency. And he's like making all these whack comparisons. And I'm like, listen, this is a prime example of not being able to separate ideas from a person. Um, which, I mean, you know, we did a podcast on eugenics a couple weeks ago. I love that. Love that one, by the way. Yeah. Yes. And it's like. I always have to bite my tongue when Mick and I talk about eugenics because I'm like, yeah, in the sense that it has been implemented so far and the way that people use it is completely wrong. But like, what about eugenics light? You know, where we're basically telling people, um, if you know you have these health risks, maybe you should choose not to have children. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's not forced and it's not. um, But I guess some people view that as 
is very wrong because they think, well, however the kid comes out, that's that's how it should be. Because um, that's God's plan, Juke. Right, right. And it's like, OK, well, that's your opinion. But my opinion is, is if you know that you're, you're you have more of a chance of having a kid with birth defects when you have kids over 40, then maybe not do that. You know, and as much as people don't want to admit it, most of society has accepted that, that they know that this will happen. And so they avoid it. Um, yeah. Which I, which I call that eugenics light. And I don't think yeah. I don't think that there's any issue with that. But again, you have in our very polarized society, you get the super left. And that's just like an awful, awful thing to say. And even people on the super, super right are, you know, against that, too. So, yeah, I always get in trouble for that statement. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's. I don't know. And, and, and sometimes, you know, thinking practically like that is something to do. But ultimately, it's the same. It's the same little paradigm we always catch ourselves in. We have a problem. And instead of handling the problem with self-responsibility, with individual responsibility at you know the individual level, we ask for the collective government to do it for us, to impose rules on us. Right. And it's almost like that's been bred into us for so long because there's always been a ruling elite since, you know, probably the pre-Diluvian society, since the flood, you know, let's say just this just this uh, this iteration of human civilization. There's always been tyrants and there's always been people that are like the the doers, you know, and it's not I think I hate to say it, but it's like almost like it's been bred out of us to to think like that and to do that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, you, you gotta, you gotta be able to separate the ideas from the people. And when you do that, I think you get a lot more information, right? You open your sources a lot wider and then you really see who the players are that are manipulating all this. And then you, you know, when you look at world war two and how the history was rewritten after it, like, man, um, there's things we just don't talk about. Like not, I don't think enough people talk about, you know, uh, how many people had to die for the Bolshevik revolutions and the communist revolutions. We talk all about concentration camps and whatnot. Um, and, you know, they're, they're both equally bad. But uh, what, what I'm saying is, like, if you don't look at all of the history together, you don't get a real picture of it. And somebody's manipulating you. That's I guess that's all I'm saying. And disclaimer, neither of us are fucking neo-Nazis at all. I hate, <laughs> right. I hate that you got to say that. We made a comment about Zionism earlier. And now we're like now we're saying Hitler had some good ideas. So. I don't know. We just need to put that disc- that disclaimer out there. But um, yeah, I get I, again. I get that all the time because actually I was surprised that when I watched uh, one of the Democratic debates, I don't remember where it was now. I think it was in South Carolina right before Super Tuesday, and they specifically singled Bernie out and asked him about the Israel-Palestine conflict. And I'm like, well, first of all, they're only asking him this because he's Jewish. <laughs> so, well, like, there's that note. But uh, <laughs> you know, he's he's more on the side of the Palestinians, and I feel like anybody who knows the history of it. And not just the American version where we, you know, like Israel, so support Israel. If you actually learn about the history, the Palestinians, as much as they're being demonized, are really just trying to defend their home um, that's being yes, taken. Yes, where they've been for thousands of years. Right, exactly. The rich and, white people stole it from them in like 1950 and gave it to some people that didn't live there previously based on a book that was written by probably the most demonic and evil culture the roman catholic empire like constantine put the story you're basing this all on together that guy was but the important part of that is is that when zionism became a thing uh i forget the name of the guy who founded it it always it always slips my mind but he you know when they when they created the zionist movement after world war ii they were considering a lot of other places besides palestine which i feel like i feel like it just shows it right there like 
okay, well, you guys were considering other places, therefore it doesn't have to be Palestine. But now they've they've latched onto that idea, and basically the rest of the world is just like, yeah, sorry about your luck, Palestine. Uh. Yeah, that's <laughs> yep. So I guess I guess to to bring it this segment of the conversation full circle, in light of all this stuff, and in light of you know recently by meaning I guess in the past three or four years, learning to separate ideas from people and just look for truth. <clears throat> I think I fall into um, an anarcho anarcho free market society, right? I think I fall more towards the anarchist point of view, and not that I want anarchy, but I think if we don't have a centralized government, then the natural form of order turns into small-scale decentralized socialism. And I say this because I think that's the natural, you know, modus operandi of hunter-gatherer people. At a, at a small level where everybody depends on each other, you have that mindset because you're in a you're a part of a collective. Actually, when you distribute the responsibility of your collective out amongst people you don't give a fuck about that live on a different coast, you know, in a different time zone, you know, it's a lot easier to to say to vote for fucking those people over and not do anything about it when they're getting fucked over, you know. But if it happens at your community level, then it's a lot easier to give a fuck. You know, we're just programmed like that. And so I think when you have what people are trying to put the picture of today of an anarchist society, an anarcho-capitalist society, anarcho-free market society. You think you could even call it anarcho-socialist society. I don't know what the label of it would be, but something where the authority is decentralized. We don't have a federal government anymore, and maybe the federal government goes back to only being an enforcer of contracts. And I think when you have the internet for one, and then blockchain for two, which has been a huge innovation, I think you can you can create programs that enforce contracts on their own and so we don't have to have this giant bloated body of people when we have all this technology in our government and when people you know want more and more when people are subject to corruption and when you concentrate all that power just to one city you know in in the u.s or a couple cities in the u.s like it it just doesn't make any sense to me so i agree with a lot of socialism and that's why i I come to this conclusion because i think empathy is the first thing you got to start with when you're talking about like making the rules of a society so i lean towards that but i also have looked at history and seen where centralized socialism that is designed by central banks isn't for the people that's like that's snake oil that that ain't real right right. you know and that's and that's that wool's been pulled over our eyes more than a few times but then there are also places like i lived in the netherlands for a little while i experienced what their form of socialism is like and they have a very high quality of life and the economy there is good like you can make a good living doing just about whatever like you can be a server there and in europe you don't get cash tips but in a server there they pay you a livable wage and the apartment prices there are set as such to where that livable wage, even at a serving job, is enough for you to get an apartment, pay your bills, and eat something. You know, you're not going to be living a lavish lifestyle, but it's enough to to get by to where you're not having to like worry about borrowing money or going into debt or all this. But it seems like I love that episode of Rick and Morty, and I just made a meme about it where they've got the guy in their teeny verse, um, and Morty says something and he describes the society and goes, "That's just slavery with extra steps." You know, and like that's that's what we have here. It's slavery with extra steps. It's a designed economy and a and a set wage. Right. And when you can play with the inflation because the Federal Reserve is an unelected body that we have no 
mode of recompense for. We can't control what they do at all, and they say fuck you to every government official. So when they can manipulate the price of the dollar, when they can manipulate subsidies and manipulate the prices of food and gas and all this, and then they can play with the minimum wage, they can design the system to where at the end of each paycheck you've got zero dollars. And right, you're yeah, buying into it. And then if you're anything less than disciplined, you're going to be in the red, in the negative. And now you're actually a slave to it. But you're a slave by your own making. And so it's a lot harder to get out of, you know. And I was I was telling this to um, uh, my boy with more laws, more problems, this guy I got connected with. <clears throat> and I was um, – Oh, I was just saying, like, if you were going to design a system of servitude, one way to do it is to force people into it with swords or guns or violence, right? But then you create um, dissent. You know, you create people that remember. But if you create a system of servitude, like a carrot and stick, and you lure people into it and they walk in on their own accord, that black magic's a lot more powerful. And it seems like that's the system of servitude that's been designed and that we've seemed to have all walked into as a culture. Absolutely. Yeah, I think, I mean, everything you just said there, um, absolutely. And it, it comes back to the idea that I tried to explain to people that America is set up on a broken platform. And this whole idea that we're going to elect a president that is magically going to change how broken we are is just nonsense and, and basically just a distraction for us to feel like we have some kind of control. Because mm-hmm. just from a very, very ground level, Everything that we base our system on is is so easily manipulated by people, regardless of what side you are on. So mm-hmm. I, I don't even know where people begin to change that. But I think the first step is getting people on a level where they realize that they deserve more than working paycheck to paycheck and having no health insurance and having their tax dollars be used for things like bailout and funding wars that we don't even know what they're about. I mean, just getting people into an understanding where it's like, these are, you know, you're entitled to these. And I get into this argument all the time with this, this guy that I work with. He tells me that people in my generation are entitled. And I'm like, it's not, I don't think it says that you are entitled to just want to be able to make a living wage. You know, it's, it's, it's not, it's not that people don't want to work because clearly everybody I know, my millennial age group works one or more jobs and doesn't have health insurance or is living paycheck to paycheck. I mean, besides the people who are um, in the coal mining industry, which is a big thing in West Virginia, but even Mm -hmm. then they get screwed over by dangerous work conditions and um, corporate greed, not wanting to make things safe and then getting fined. So their companies go out of business and then those people don't have jobs and, that was a big thing in the Obama era that everyone here blamed Obama for the uh, detriment to coal. But in reality, all he was really doing was trying to get these coal miners to or these coal companies to make things less dangerous for the environment and the people. Mm-hmm. Um, and instead of the corporations just complying with that to make it safer for everyone, they would just go bankrupt and take their money and run. And so people blamed Obama when I'm like, no, you should be blaming the greedy corporation that put you out of business by choice because they didn't want to invest anything in you or your career or or the place where we live. Like, it's not his fault. I mean, I have a lot of issues with Obama, but I I never understood why people – I mean, it's like they don't do any research to see two plus two equals four. They just see four, and they're like, well, well, two was the problem. And they don't even they don't even include the other two that got them there. I mean, it's it blows my mind. It blows my mind that um, 
just this whole system. Sometimes I, I really have hope. People always tell you, oh, if you don't agree with how this country's run, then just move. And I'm like, no, I don't want that because in reality, I feel like I am a true patriot and I do think America has excellent opportunity. We just have to give it back to the people. <laughs> I mean, we can have different opinions on on every on different things all day long, abortion, whatever. We can have different opinions on that all day long. But my main goal is that I live in a state full of poverty and we had a hospital here just closed. So like we're dealing with all this Corona shit and there's one hospital open and people are just absolutely freaked out. There's half people are freaked out about it. The other half believe it isn't real, uh, which just makes it dangerous for everyone else because <laughs> they don't even want to wash their hands in case it might be true. Um, but I'm like, listen, I just I just want people in this area to have employment and for drug facilities to be built, you know, rehab facilities to be built, because our area is one that's been completely ravaged by the corporate drug companies pumping Percocets and things into people. So we have a massive drug problem, like just decent paying jobs, health care that we can all afford, not mass poverty everywhere. I mean, that seems like very simple things to ask, but they they fight it. And I I don't get that. Maybe because education isn't a high priority in the state. We have very low education. So I'm like, is that where it starts? I don't know, but mm. I, I'm yeah. not, I don't know. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm, I'm right along with you, man. We are, we are aligned with that too. I, I thought we were going to find things that we disagree on, but I mean, this is a pretty organic conversation and I haven't found one yet, but um, something really interesting there that I've found. Um, have you ever heard of like collective corporations or, um, uh, like they're really just employee owned corporations. So imagine a corporation that was tiered just like this. There were ones, twos and threes. So three would just be the CEO. Twos would be middle management, like people that were department managers and then three and then ones or all the other employees. Right. And every employee in the company is a shareholder in the company. And you actually can't have outside shareholders. Right. So you can't have outside influence of people that don't have the interest of the employees, right? Every decision that the company makes because it's made by the board of directors are made by the employees. Now, the CEO being a level three, it's like he owns three shares. All the middle managers own two shares. All the other employees own one share. And at the end of each year, just like a board of director would get, they get a dividend based on the collective production of the company, right? Like and profit so, share, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And th there have been corporations like this that have worked. And there's one in Spain in particular that's a great success story. It's called the Mondragon Corporation. And I believe it's got something like 5,000 employees now. It's been around since the 50s and it's all employee owned. And it's, you know, there there's there there just aren't any stories coming from a place like that of, of uh, corporate malfeasance, of, you know, people putting workers second, long hours, you know, terrible working conditions, low wages. Because if, if that happens, like, I mean, it just doesn't happen because the employees are in control of it, you know. And so the company operates in the interest, in the best interest of the company, which is built of the people. So it's actually in the best interest of all the employees. And they still manage to make a profitable business out of it. And so if they can do it in Spain, you know, which is a fairly socialistic country, I don't know why something like that wouldn't, wouldn't work here. And I think if, if that kind of thing became a trend and if we could get lobby money out of Washington, if we didn't allow lobby, corporate lobby money to influence how our politics went, which is like, I don't know why we even allow that. I mean, that completely takes representation away from us because these big corporations have way more money and they can bribe and pay off and make friends with politicians with money. And it happens all the time. 
And so I think that's one of the huge, one of the biggest reasons why the government no longer represents us is because that corporate lobby money is is so rampant. Absolutely, I agree. And I mean that, that I guess that's why I come back to as many issues that people may have with with Bernie. I feel like that's the only reason that I'm probably going to vote for him is just because I feel like regardless of what the rest of his platform says, if that is his most important goal which I, I would believe, considering um, he doesn't take PAC money. Um, so I'm like, apparently he's not bought because there's no there's no corporate money coming to him. And the backlash that owners of corporations, uh, you know, they spend so much money trying to, like, blast him. And I'm like, okay, well, there's that clearly me that says that they're scared. They're, yeah. They don't like him. Um, but if, if he got into office and the only thing he did was make money out of politics, I would be satisfied because – regardless of what party and who gets in after him as long as they're working for the people i can deal yeah I just, i'm unhappy with excuses from our government i'm not an excuse person if i pay your salary in any part whatsoever i believe i i deserve a solution there's no i don't know why people have become content with just forever being at a stalemate yeah we need to do away with that but there's just there's never going to be that because as long as they keep us as a stalemate they don't have to change anything and and they continue to fill their pockets yep yeah i am um, yeah completely agree with you um so i think if if it comes down to it normally i don't vote because we live in a society of statistics and i think the more and more that number grows of people that are just so disillusioned they don't see it as as worth voting I think that's going to be the moment where, where we wake up. If that becomes the majority, and then the majority of the collective understands that they're so that most of us are so disillusioned they don't even vote, that might wake some more people up. You know, so I, I kind of like that idea, and I've gone with that previously. But this year, there's also he's probably not going to win, but a guy named Adam Kokesh that's running as an anarchist, and his uh, what he's running on is that day one he would start a, an orderly and organized. Um, bankruptcy process, chapter 11 bankruptcy process of the federal government because, you know, treat it like a corporation. It is bankrupt. Let's bankrupt it, um, move it around, shift it around and put, you know, responsibility back to the community, state, city level. Um, but, you know, it's it's so far fetched. I don't I don't know. And I don't even know if I agree with all of what he's doing, but it's so it's radical. And I think just like what you were saying, like some of what Bernie's saying is radical, but it's ultimately going to have to pass through the marketplace of ideas and we got to be kind of okay with it. So I think there'd be some filter process there. But what I will say is that I do like Bernie as well, but I had this thought the other day and I made a post about it. Like what happens when you go against the best interest of the international banking cabal? And let's see, JFK did it. You know, he spoke against secret societies and the central bank spoke against the Fed. Um, Martin Luther King Jr. also spoke against the Fed and had some, some thoughts about that. And both of those guys got ganked. And it's pretty obvious if you do your research that there was some conspiracy on the part of the U.S. government to do that. And so I I'm, I get worried for, for people like Bernie, for people like Adam Kokesh, because they are really brazen against the, uh, the big banks. You know, Bernie's not a friend of the big banks at all. And um, and I mean, they, they probably know that. And that's why somebody like a stammering idiot like Joe Biden's getting propped up instead of Bernie when most of the people out there are aligning with Bernie over over leg hairs guy like i still can't get over the leg hair shit from joe biden i can't deal with anything i this i was gonna go back to what you said about not voting because i there are a lot of people that tell you 
that if you don't vote, you're part of the problem. It's your duty, blah, blah, blah. They go on and on about it. And I get shit for it all the time because I say things like, um, you know, last year was the first election that I was, uh, or last election was the first election I was able to vote because I had just turned of age. And I sucked it up and I voted Democrat. I voted blue no matter who. And I literally have thought about it ever since then. And I'm like, I'm never going to make that mistake again. Because seeing how everything turned out, I think I'm almost glad that Trump won over Hillary because she's like parasite of the earth. And But I let that get to me of the vote blue no matter who and let's fear monger you into thinking that everything that he's going to do is going to be so awful and blah, blah, blah. And it just, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to make that mistake again. And I think that people who are saying Bernie or bust, I'm not going to vote for Democrats if they, you know, if they cheat him out of the uh, nominee or you know, whatever it may be, they're not going to vote for, for a second Biden. Time. Sorry, what'd you say? I was just saying for a second time. I'm, oh, I'm sorry. Time. Yeah. 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 I just, uh, I don't know. I don't disagree with that because I'm just like, maybe the DNC should learn that the majority of people who are on the left leaning side don't agree with your Democrat elitist ideas. So either become a progressive movement or we'll just all abandon you and start our own. <laughs> And I think that's the wake up call they're going to get. But if people continue to vote blue, no matter who, we're going to end up in the same situation that we've always been in. And people always use the, oh, well, you must be so privileged to, to be able to make that choice and get four more years of Trump where he keeps kids in cages. And I said, no, I'm just the logical person that realizes that Obama also had kids in cages. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's it's this is bullshit rhetoric trying to guilt people into, well, you must be privileged. And I'm just like, I live in West Virginia. I'm I'm pretty poor person. I have the basic bare minimums and I thank God that I have a good job now because previous years I struggled and there was no help. Um, mm -hmm. So and I watch it around me all the time. I, I live next door to elderly neighbors living in slum houses because they can't afford to go anywhere else. They don't have proper medical care. I mean, it just I look at it all around me and I'm like, there's nothing about my life that says like high class privileged. There just there just isn't. Yeah, um, so it's just because I'm not willing to align to your elitist Democrat beliefs doesn't mean I'm privileged. It just means I've, I've taken the mask off and I, I see that they're the same. So I'm not going to vote for Joe yep. Biden. I don't think that there's anything that will make me vote for Joe Biden. And I, I just I don't agree with the vote blue no matter who movement. I don't believe it at all. Yeah, definitely not. Definitely not. And yeah, I've, I've experienced the same thing, Juke. Uh, I've I've talked about, you know, like the merits of free markets to some people. When I was in college, uh, like my last year, and uh, they they would say things like, "Oh, well, yeah, that's that's your white privilege talking." And I was like, "Dude, I live in a school bus. Like, I built a school bus, and I, I live in that shit. Like, that's my solution to all the economic disaster around us is more minimalism, right? So if if they're gonna raise the prices on everything, well, then I'm gonna come up with an innovative solution to where I don't have to pay that housing that housing bill that they can manipulate all the time. So that was one of my solutions. And that's the solution that I, that I proposed to everybody. And it's one of those personal responsibility ones. Like if we want to take the power away from a tyrannical government, then we just take away our need for them. Like we, you get get to the point where you're personally responsible enough and, and I guess innovative and disciplined enough to where it's, it's not a thing, you know, you can, there's all kinds of different ways to do it. And there's a ton yet to be explored. But yeah, I'm, yeah I, I'm right there along with you on all those things. But I think I'm going to use part of it to segue into our next conversation, if you don't mind. You said something about, you know, Obama also having uh, kids in cages. 
um, and people blaming that on Trump. Well, people always talk about gun confiscation like it's a democratic thing only, but just yesterday, this happened in Virginia. Um, really strange because there was just that giant 2A rally in Virginia that went on completely peacefully, right? No issues at all. And there's this one guy that uh, was a programmer, and uh, he was working on some kind of startup and uh, was, was raising money for it. But he was also, you know, somebody who was an outspoken libertarian and like posted things like with his uh, – he like posted a picture with one of his rifles and said, I think, six Semper Tyrannus, right? Like for, for the tyrants or for you, tyrant or something, which is like a quote from uh, like our revolutionary years, right? And it's really just saying like, you know, it's just reiterating the fact that within the Second Amendment, it doesn't say the right to bear arms to protect you from your neighbors who you shouldn't trust and you should be afraid of which that's what the government would have us believe we're, we're keeping our guns for. You know, they, they keep bringing up this gun debate like it's we all need to protect ourselves from each other out here when that's not the case at all. Those guns that we have are to protect us from the tyrannical government that was predicted when we started this experiment. They said, hey, we're putting this provision in here for you guys to have guns and that for never to be taken because eventually, I know we're starting this and I know it's me saying this, but eventually people like me and who were in this position are going to run as tyrants and you're going to have to get those guns and do something about it or at least protect yourself with them, right? But in the modern context, we never bring that part of it up. We just bring up Second Amendment light, but it says um, to bear arms against a tyrannical government. And, oh, like, that's, that's what we're keeping them for. Right. But yeah, exactly. under- that, I guess that's one thing that does confuse me about Bernie's whole platform and especially all of his supporters is that we are kind of all collectively in this idea that he has that we need to move in a different direction with our company or our country and the government's controlling it and all of their money and this and that. Um, but, you know, that sounds like the start of a revolution. And they say that all the time. Not me, us. This is a revolution. And I'm like, well, I don't know about you guys and what you know about history, but uh, I want to keep my guns if this is a revolution. Yeah. Because if it comes to it, if this is a true revolution where we all believe in this and it comes to it, then that's when we'll need them. <laughs> so that's always kind of a big uh, plot hole and, and their ideas that they're like, yeah, this is a revolution. And I'm like, well, then we need to be well armed because they're they are the enemy. And I mean, it's kind of a back and forth because the reality is, is that if it did start a revolution, we know that America has no issue with turning its military with the National Guard or anything on its own people. I mean, we actually, I don't remember if we did a podcast about her, if this was just a, an article that I wrote, because Mick also writes for an op-ed news place, but we did this whole big, we had this whole big discussion about uh, miners in West Virginia and how unions became a thing, because it all originated here, and how they literally used the army to attack civilians, because they wanted them to just continue yeah. to slaves for the coal company, and I'm just like, we, we see that in American history all the time. So, That's where the term redneck from, right? Yeah, yeah, for the red the red bandanas, yeah. Yeah, it was uh, Bunker Hill, the Battle of Bunker Hill, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, something like uh, a million rounds of ammunition shot in that in that war or in that in that battle, and it was all you know coal miners with rifles versus the U.S. government with all of the modern machinery. Yeah, and f- in the interest of the corporations, dude. That's- right, absolutely. We have a long history of that, which is just I don't understand. You'd think that. West Virginia, if people here knew their history, I mean, and there's there's people in West Virginia that are anti-union, and that shocks me the most, because I'm like, 
what are you talking about? Like the minor wars, Mother Jones, like, do you not know about any of this? Like people, West Virginians fought and died so that we could have like the right to work and be paid, not be slaves, literal slaves living in coal towns. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> but um, Slavery with extra steps. Yeah, yep. it really was. It was it was like, hey, we'll give you a place to live and we'll feed you and you can spend your money in our stores. But they, I mean, they were literally just slaves. But I mean, just a good example of, yeah, the government just came in and used their forces against their own citizens. And that's how it went. So I, I think that part of me is like, yeah, if we're going to have a revolution, then all of you liberal people, if you're in on this revolution, then you need to be well armed. Uh, but then on the other spectrum of that, I'm like, I get it because we don't stand a chance against the government if they use their own people against us. And so when I bring up that argument, people are like, oh, the government would never do that. It would be outrage in the streets. And I'm like, really? Because like looking at some of the other shit that they've done, I'm pretty sure they're of the opinion they can do whatever they want with no backlash at this point. They're not afraid of us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Especially with the with the censorship uh, news that they have right now on the Internet. You know, I've said it previously that, you know, they can't get away with shit like that anymore because we live in the age of information. But in that same regard, like in the CIA handbook, and I've read this, it says about cultural movements, countercultural movements, because this handbook was written in the 60s. And so they were talking about the anti-war counterculture and the hippie movement. And they said, if you can't stop the countercultural movement, then you infiltrate it and corrupt it from within. You know, and that's exactly what's happened with the Internet. I think the Internet was something that got out of out of hand for them. Um, and instead of shutting it down because you can't, you just dilute it with all kinds of disinfo and uh and control people that way you know and which it um what i was gonna say a minute ago i uh i got on that fucking tangent and it didn't even finish the story about the about the guy who just got shot the other day um so this guy was a gun owner he posted this picture with six semper tyrannis you know i gave a little side story there and i think that's where we got derailed but um anyway so so Somebody, there's apparently a law right now where if, I don't know exactly how it works and it's a little unclear because there's not a lot of documentation on it, but if somebody online like complains about you or calls you in because they see a picture of you with that rifle and saying six Semper Tyrannus, apparently somebody called in like uh, a question about him and like, you know, he had a license to own these guns, never had a criminal record um, and all of them were, you know, were legal. And somebody complained about it, and the SWAT team showed up at his house at 4.30 in the morning and shot him dead through his window and shot his girlfriend who was sleeping with him. And they said they were there to, to get guns under a um, – it was like an extremely dangerous version of the warrant, right? So like a warrant that you need to send SWAT team in on for a guy that had no public record, you know, had no criminal record at all, never had a violent offense in his life, and neither did his girlfriend. But they still needed to show up with a SWAT team and escalate things to that level, and then – you know, one thing leads to, leads to another and he gets shot. And that's not the first time this has happened. And I guess the reason I brought this up is because you brought, you know, the um, the kids in cages started during the Obama years. Uh, to that same note, like this gun confiscation stuff and people dying because somebody wants to take their guns, that hasn't that didn't happen during the Obama era. And you'd think if it were that, that it would start there. But no, it's happening during the Trump era, which is so strange so strange and so antithetical to what you know most right-leaning people would think would be the case but it just is and i think maybe this is a good jumping point but um this is uh this really started to pick up after the coronavirus thing and i think if the coronavirus wasn't here then that shit uh like the 2a uh movement like those rallies and everything people meeting up in public places would not have stopped and those people might be doing something about this guy getting shot dead 
uh, for that. But because we can't publicly assemble, what what, what are we going to do about it? We can't do anything about it except communicate on the internet. So uh, I want to kind of I um sorry I'm going live on Instagram here. I kind of want to know some of your thoughts on coronavirus, where you stand on it, what kind of weird things you've heard. I've got a really weird stack of coincidences and then some like questions that I think are are really important to ask, but I'd love to get your opinion, Juke. Okay, so this whole thing, I feel like, first of all, the fact that Trump ignored it for so long and tried to play it off like it wasn't a big deal was completely detrimental. Um, and then he decides to close the borders, which in theory seems like a really good idea, but now we're seeing like Chicago hair and uh, all these, these huge airports just packed full of people shoulder to shoulder. And I'm like, okay, well, this is turning out great as if we didn't see that coming from a mile away. And my friends and I, and my brother, we're all kind of speculating, like, how serious is this going to get? Um, because it's, it's, it doesn't shock me. A lot of the viruses that we get around here do come from China for lots of reasons. Um, but, and people try to play it down like it's no big deal, but it's, it's not necessarily that if you get it, you're going to die, but it's just the transmission rate is what's scary. Um, you know, people didn't have this big of a reaction when Ebola was here, but Ebola is hard to spread with people. It's not airborne. It's not, you know, it's it's very, very fatal, but we can keep it contained. So I feel like the most dangerous part of this that people are not taking seriously is how easily it's spread. And uh, actually, my boyfriend and I went grocery shopping the other day and we had things over our face just like scarves or something like when we were walking next to people just covering our mouths and stuff because it's just you don't know and which doesn't matter now because now we know it's airborne so not that that was going to protect us anyway but the people that are just like laughing and pointing and they just think oh this is no big deal and I'm like yeah maybe if I get it I would survive but I also work with two people who are recovering from cancer they're both over 70 years old I know another person I work with takes immunosuppressants I mean it's like Mm-hmm. I'm not worried about me, but I don't know how I would live with myself if I was just like, oh, this isn't real and then infected someone else. I mean, mm-hmm. it's awful. But I think that's why Oh, in West Virginia, everyone's talking online about, oh, West Virginia is the only state that doesn't have it, which, according to the CDC, isn't true because Idaho and Alabama also don't have any confirmed cases. But people are actually believing that just because we don't have any positive tests here, that that means we don't have it. And I'm like, West Virginia has 1,800,000 people roundabout. Uh, mm. We've tested 39 people in our state. So yeah. if you think that it's not here because because they're not saying it is, like, I, I don't understand that logic. So we've all kind of been joking back and forth with each other, like trying to make light of it, even though it's it's serious. Uh, we're not running out and stocking up on toilet paper, which I, I guess I don't get that anyway, because it's like a respiratory thing. We went and got like cough medicine and cough drops and like uh, ibuprofen for fevers and stuff like that. Like, because you think that that would be the stuff that you need. Um, I guess I don't understand the whole toilet paper thing, but um, yeah, so all these, all this craziness here. But um, the the one important thing that I was glad I found this so that we could talk about it um, was actually from the Justice Department. Um, it's on their website, justice.gov. You can find it. But it was posted in January of 2020, and it's talking about a Harvard University professor and two Chinese nationals uh, mm-hmm. that were charged for some pretty shady shit that it doesn't directly say that it's involved with all of this. But basically, this um, this Dr. Charles Lieber uh, was the chair of the Department of Chemistry and Chemical Biology at Harvard, and he had these two Chinese nationals that were uh, his assistants one of which turned out to be uh, a high lieutenant in the Chinese army. 
And the other was arrested trying to smuggle 21 vials of biological research something. I mean, it's some some kind of vials of something back to China in January. He was arrested trying to do that. Um, He, like, literally had it stuffed in a sock in a suitcase. Like, um, but this guy, this Dr. Charles Lieber, has been receiving $50,000 payments from China every month. And he was part of some program some Chinese talent program called China's Thousand Talents Plan. And he has connections to setting up the research center in Wuhan. So Mm. I sent this to my friends. I don't know if they read it or not, because they're not really like into the whole uh, conspiracy part of it. But I'm like, guys, like this is this is important. This is relevant. Like, what are the chances that this guy is working with someone who's they were here? They lied on their visas and said they were just here as students. And now we found out that they um, were not here as students, and the one was part of the Chinese army. Um, you know, it's just all these very, very strange things that went on, and this was just in January, but it's like nowhere on the news that this guy's been arrested or or any of this. And I'm like, this if you ask me, there's no way that this isn't connected. <laughs> yep. And that's what's so funny. You said something earlier, like the first the first part of it that you jumped to was, is it real or not? The fact that that is the thing we're all debating over and fighting over, that is the psyop. That's the that's the part of it that's been put in as the psychological operation to um, to uh, muddy the waters on it all. And the fact that we're arguing over that, that's that's a problem, because what we're not talking about is all the government control that comes with it. And, yeah, there's definitely some very shady things at the beginning of this. There's a shady things with these people connected to Wuhan and connected with, you know, biological material, trying to leave the country with it. Um, there's some really weird shit with Bill Gates. So uh, six months ago, um, the Purebright Institute submitted a patent for a human isolated coronavirus. And most coronaviruses start in other mammals. But recently they have magically mutated into something that humans can have. And the first time it happened was SARS. And there's a lot of weird shit on how SARS started. And like, how did this disease make this jump anyway? And, um, you know, there's some weird, there's some things about the genome of it. People have said that uh, within the genome of, of this disease is the HIV, is like a code of it that's like HIV. That's really strange. I, I, that's more speculative. I don't have facts for that, but I'm going to run through a few like fact coincidences that I think are, are really strange. So the Purebred Institute submits this patent for it. And this is in 2017. Um, they there's like uh, some more talk of it as it as it goes on. But one of the biggest funders of the Purebright Institute is Bill Gates. Um, and in November of last year, Bill Gates met with Xi Jinping. Uh, is that the, the prime minister or is that like some he's some high up official in the CCP with, with China met with Bill Gates at his mansion in Washington, Washington state. Washington state is also one of these hotbeds of outbreaks is the first place to really get it here in the U.S. And I think that's I think that's really, really strange in and of itself. Um, now, um, then I guess jumping from that, there's some really uh, some really interesting things about I, I don't know. Have you heard that China has is blaming it on the U.S.? I didn't hear that from China. I know that Iran was saying that this could possibly be um, an American bread illness that is being released. I, I don't remember the exact word he used, but I know that um, Iran was making statements like that, that, that the U.S. is doing this on purpose um, to attack Iran and China, which yeah, I think uh, some, some uh, people are calling today. it crazy. Russia is kind of subscribing to that, but I never know what way to take them. Uh, yeah. 
Yeah. Well, you know, what's what's so strange is if China released it, why are they tanking their own economy to do it? You know, like I can see I can see if the only thing they got out of it was shutting down the protests in Hong Kong and in Wuhan and then quarantining their people more, maybe culling the population. I see all that, but they're tanking their economy. So the, the elites that are running that thing aren't winning out either, you know. But over here in America, it seems like this national emergency has freed up a lot of cash for a lot of people. Um, this national emergency has um, extended some federal authority, you know, to something that really to a level that hasn't been done before. And if this thing is all staged, then this looks a lot like the Patriot Act after 9-11. And I've said that before that, you know, it might be a Trojan horse to some degree. But, um, you know, I think the next weird coincidence is kind of connected to all this. Bill Gates did a TED Talk not too long ago, and I'm pulling up the quote right now. Um, says something like, OK, here, I got it. First, we've got a population. The world today is 6.8 billion people that's headed up to about 9 billion. Now, if we do a really great job on new vaccines, healthcare, reproductive health services, we could lower that by perhaps 10 or 15 percent. Bill, how in the world does good healthcare and good vaccines, new vaccines, how does that lower the population by 10 to 15 percent? That's that that would be my question. So and this sounds just like what's in the Georgia Guidestones. You know, the Georgia Guidestones are this weird, mysterious set of stones that are set up in Georgia. And, you know, number one on there, it says maintain humanity under 500 million people. Right. So at, at, and these are supposedly elites that put out this thing. And I guess we know that they're elites because this seems like the motive of all the elites, like to cull the population, to have these banker wars that aren't in our favor, but just end up sending the poorest of us out to war. And it seems like a disease is another good way to do it. So I, I thought that was interesting, the Bill Gates connection. And as I was doing the research for building this Bill Gates connection here, he steps down yesterday or the day before, steps down from the board of directors at Microsoft, which I think is is really, really, really strange, really strange. Um, and then I guess uh, the last little bit of coincidence connecting those uh, um, have you heard about um, like the ancient Chinese prophecies that predicted uh, a coronavirus like or predicted a pandemic like this and actually in the same astrological year, right? So they said it was going to be the change from the year of the the year of the rat to the year of the horse or you know whatever one we're in right now, but it was like in 300 AD somebody predicted it. And then there was also this book written in 1980 by Dean Kuntz. Um, that predicted a Wuhan outbreak and this weird disease that spread to Western nations and shit. And like, this is in 1980, this guy wrote it and it's like spot on. It's almost like if it was designed, the people that designed it read this goddamn book. So that's a, a strange little stack of coincidences. Now, I mean, uh, what kind of questions should we be asking for this kind of thing? Like in, in your discerning sleuth mind, like getting to the bottom of the truth, what kind of questions do we ask in a, uh, in a crisis like this? Well, I would say that the first question we should be asking is why the priority of our country seems to be what they can get away with while there is uh, chaos amongst people. Uh, they seem like they're more concerned with, well, what can we do while everyone's freaking out and take advantage of our full uh, of our full power instead of worrying about things like uh, making sure we have testing everywhere? I mean, I know West Virginia only got 300 test kits, and it's like, you know, for $1.5 trillion, we pumped into the stock market, you know, for, for what, an hour of stability. We, we could have bought everyone a test. <laughs> um, so, but it doesn't seem like they're focused on that. 
that aspect of trying to contain it. They're really just focused on, I feel like spreading panic so that they can take advantage of, of, you know, whatever, whatever the, the bigger plan is. <laughs> yep. yep. Uh, I, I don't know where to go with that. I feel like, again, when we, a couple of weeks ago, when we talked about eugenics, we just went through the history of basically rich people trying to kill off poor people. Um, it's, mm-hmm. it's throughout our entire history and we try to make it out like, oh, you know, no, that was a Hitler thing in World War II. And it's like, no, we did that shit here too. We just don't like to talk about it. Um, yeah. but we've always had this problem with, well, you know, just do away with the poor people and we won't have to, we won't have to listen to them starting their, their riots and we can keep our comfortable lives. And I feel like it's extremely coincidental that, you know, a lot of people are starting to demand higher minimum wage, universal health care. Like we're, we're starting to get on this page of social revolution and demanding more from our government and, and controlling corporations and this and that. Now, all of a sudden, you know, there is this massive yep. outbreak and we don't have enough tests for it. And, you know, I saw in South Korea, they're, they're testing everyone before they're leaving locations. They're taking temperatures of people. And I'm looking around like we aren't doing any of that. Um, and apparently it's not for lack of willing to spend money, you know, willingness to spend money. So I am starting to see kind of a a greater conspiracy there, which I'm like, oh, keep that in check because I haven't done enough research to be like, all right, this is for sure what's going on. But mm-hmm. I do think that it's extremely coincidental that, you know, as soon as the poor people are starting to move towards um, the ideas of making us be more like other nations with universal healthcare and this and that, that suddenly this outbreak happens and yeah, I just it's it seems pretty coincidental to me. And on both sides, Republicans and Democrats, it seems like all they're doing is seeing, well, while this is all going on, let's try to push for this and this and this. And meanwhile, we're all just trying to make sure we don't get sick and die or get sick and transmit it to our grandmother who will then die. You know what I mean? Yep, for sure. For sure. Did you watch Trump's announcement the other day when he declared the national emergency? And then before the one where he declared uh, we were shutting off all travel to Europe? I did watch the one where he said that we were shutting off travel to Europe. Um, most of the time I just read these. I don't watch him. I, I think it, I honestly, I think it's because the way that he talks just like blows my mind because he's very repetitive and he just yeah describes everything as good and it blows my mind. Yeah. So I, I tried to just read the headlines. I don't like to fucking watch him, but I did watch where he closed the, the borders from, from Europe. And then I know they extended it to the UK and England too. I feel like mm-hmm. the only reason I watched it was because I was just like, all right, this is serious. Like first closing of the borders and also Disneyland closed. Like, okay, this is for real. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cause you know, a corporation yeah. like Disneyland, they're not going to close unless yeah. it's serious. So. And yeah. casinos are hard to close too. And we have a bunch of casinos down here on the Mississippi Gulf coast and they were all ordered to close for a whole week starting on Monday, which, you know, I, that's, that seems really weird. But, um, you know, what I, what I saw came with Trump's announcement was, all right, so the the really big red flags were how was how big of an inflection he put on joining forces with big corporations, and how he had all these heads of big corporations come on and say their little piece, which is all the same shit. Like, just one of y'all could have spoke for all of you. Like, we didn't have to hear that over and over from Target, Walgreens, Walmart. Like, we're we're tired of that shit. But the amount of of uh, of talk about that that's that really bothered me that that that's going to be the case merging forces with companies like Roche in particular. And he gave like, uh, during the uh, Europe closing announcement, he gave like extra consideration. I think he even said Roche twice. He said, and Roche, oh, Roche, they're a great company, great company, tremendous. 
you know, did his fucking thing. And I was like, that name doesn't sound really right. And it sounds like a big pharmaceutical company. I think I've heard it before. And I looked it up. And sure enough, it's a big pharmaceutical company that's practically ancient since the 18, 1850s, you know, when like eugenics first started. Like <laughs> this is a pharmaceutical company that was started by people who were eugenicists. And it's based out of Basel, Switzerland. You know, where we know all the big banks and all the elites keep their money, which that's a huge red flag to me, too. And the fact that he mentioned them twice, that's a, that's a big issue. They got FDA approval for their test really quick. I don't know what harm you can do with a test, so I'm not really too worried about the test part. But I don't know. It's it, That part really worried me, really, really worried me because it sounds like a money grab and it sounds like giving some, um, you know, corporate back scratching to people like Roche. Um now, so what do you think about the national emergency? What do you think could come out of this? I don't know. I feel like uh, part of me feels like, oh, well, they only declared this to open up funding because they're genuinely trying to combat the problem. And the other part of me thinks that there's something I'm not seeing here. <laughs> um, because I don't know, it's it's hard to, you, you mentioned the casinos and it's hard for me to to base I basically am just going off of everything that I can read right now because life in West Virginia has not changed at all. They're not doing anything differently. I actually have a casino two blocks from my house that announced they will not close. Um, I mean, it's just people are going about their lives as normal. And I a lot of people here are very, very Trump uh, loyal. So I think the fact that he played this down, they're automatically all just like this is this is fake. Like this is a ploy by the Democrats. This is fake news. Like, um so it, it just feels like everything is business as usual around here. And I'm reading all this stuff online and trying to stay informed. And it's like, <laughs> I just want to rip my hair out. Cause I'm like, no, why is, why is nothing happening? <laughs> why is someone taking any of this seriously? But I don't know. I feel like declaring it a national emergency may be a good thing if they actually use the funding to do something, but unless I can see it happening, I mean, this is a, this is an issue that's affecting every state. So I feel like if they are doing this to open up funding, so they can start making a difference, then I should see something happening. Um, but I, I've, the only thing I'm seeing here is people being told when they go to the doctor with these symptoms that there's no reason to test them and that, you know, there's only so many kits in West Virginia. And that, you know what I mean? They're all just kind of downplaying it. So I'm like, I, I almost feel that there is some type of ulterior motive to declaring a national emergency, because clearly if it were for funding for a solution, I'm not seeing it. Yep. 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 Yeah. Fuck yeah, Juke. That was a really good point. And I didn't actually think about that. Um, yeah, there, it's hard to, it's hard to find the motive out of that. Now, what I think, what I think is really interesting, I don't know where you stand on the, on the vaccine debate, but I think it was podcast number eight or something. I had a very intelligent woman named Claire Dooley who works on the research team for the movie Vaxxed. Uh, the makers of the movie Vax 2, and then this new one, uh, 1986, The Act, talking about cr- the creation of the Vaccine Court. And if you know any of the listeners didn't listen to that one, or if Juke, if you haven't heard of it, the Vaccine Court essentially is a uh, is a court that's specifically meant to handle litigations for damages by vaccines, right? And yes, so I actually did say, listen. To, is this the one you had your friend on? I think I did listen to this because you guys were going on about how. Uh, well, of course they don't care because they're not going to be held personally liable for it. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Okay, yeah, I did exactly. listen to this so, one. Yeah, so instead of the pharmaceutical companies having to pay for their malfeasance and creating vaccines that have things like aluminum and mercury in it, adjuvants, that, uh, you know, there is a connection to autism. 
why in the hell is there a court if there's no connection to autism or damages or encephalopathy, like uh, cycles of inflammation that can't be stopped? And we don't like the medical community doesn't talk about inflammation a lot, period. And that's why like fasting and keto have been so underground, because like doctors don't talk about how much inflammation does for cancer. It does for all these other um, diseases. And a lot of our inflammation comes from our diet that is subsidized and has the, all these corporate hands in in big sugar and big wheat, you know, like grains and stuff. And that's the very thing that's killing us and causing all this inflammation. So for there to be that medical information come out would mean that these big corporations make less money, you know, and on all these, all the shitty food. And that's why like the shittiest food that's in the supermarket is the cheap stuff. And just like you were talking about designed eugenics with extra steps, like the, the food they feed us and the food they subsidize is part of that. Like they make us all poor and then they make the cheapest food options poisonous and that's another way of culling the population and keeping our lifespans down so none of us actually collect on our fucking social security. And they make a killing on all this money that we give them. It's just an extra excuse for taxes. But they're killing us with the food too. And so there's a, definitely a connection between these vaccines and injuries like autism, encephalopathy, all these other um, terrible disorders, especially happen to kids when they get these blasts of like 50 injections. Um, and if there wasn't a connection then tell me why the vaccine court's a thing, you know? So what I get really worried about in a pandemic like this, and that we've already heard talk about it, there's been a lot of backlash, so it went silent for a little bit, of people rushing to create a vaccine for this. And what, Juke, I'm going to tell you something that's, I'm going to tell you, and it's still going to send chills up my spine, because I was in the grocery store the other day, and there was this old man that started coughing, right? We're in allergy season down here. There's a tons of reasons to be coughing. And it's very unlikely at that time that it was coronavirus. But I watched this panicked family and this this woman uh, run up to one of the managers there at Walmart and say, that man over there should be arrested. Do you hear him coughing? She was so scared for this disease and all the hype out there that she would be willing to put that man in a cage to keep her safe, you know, just to ease her mind on it. That scared the shit out of me because I know she's not the only one thinking that. And if we get enough people thinking like that, that we're willing to put other people in cages and do whatever necessary because we're afraid, well, that's the same reason that we all justify paying taxes that pay for the bombs that bomb brown children in other countries. And it's because we're afraid and because things like 9-11 got us afraid. And now this coronavirus thing is going to get us afraid. And I think what's so interesting is that the timing of this outbreak happens probably when the vaccine debate was at its highest and when it was the most eloquently put out there. You know, like I think there's definitely some merits to vaccines. And I think it's a, it's a real science and it could help people. But just like we talked about before, you got to separate the ideas from the entity or the people. But those same companies that have this good idea, they fit all kinds of other shit in there for I don't know why, nefarious purposes, who knows? Who knows? But I know that there's only very, there's very few companies in charge of vaccines. All of them have a lot of interest in politics and a lot of politics have interest in them because there's a lot of money coming back. And it's one of those corporations that has a revolving door in it. So I don't know why anybody decides to trust them, but I have a terrible feeling that one of these days they're going to build the point up of fear. Or if they succeed in building enough fear up in us, then we'll be to the point where we are willing to put other people in cages. And until they get a forced vaccination, we're not letting them out of that cage. That's what really, really worries me about this whole thing. Yeah, I can I can definitely see that. And I think that anytime you have profit in a business that there is corruption there. So I think that blindly, blindly trusting any pharmaceutical company is a mistake. And I, again, I don't, I don't understand 
people in my area specifically who think that way because we our, our state was completely destroyed by doctors who pass out pain medications to people and now we have a huge heroin problem here so you would think that that would be the wake-up call that they would be like listen you can't always trust your doctor if they're you know what i mean and you can't trust pharmaceutical companies and sometimes medicine is not what you think it is and my brother and i had this interesting conversation a few years back because he was expecting his first kid and we're talking about vaccines and this and that. And he's like, I'm definitely going to get her all her boosters because that's like the basics or whatever. But a lot of the vaccines that they are, that are offered to people and they just take them because, yeah, this is, you know, it's the HPV vaccine. That was one that I experienced on my own. I was like 12 or 13 years old. They were trying to push this HPV vaccine on my mom for me to get it. And, um, you know, I was like 12 or 13 years old. I wasn't sexually active. So there was really no reason for me to get it at the time. And it was new. There was a lot of side effects to it, none of which we were informed of. We had to do our own research on it. And a lot of people that did get it got sick and, and people died from it. Um, so I think that blindly trusting and just and just getting a vaccine um, is, is always a mistake. Uh, and, and, you know, weird enough, and I don't have any research to back it up, but it was just a thought that came into my mind because of all this that's going on. That it seemed interesting that this coronavirus seems to be affecting older people um, at, a, at a way higher rate than it is affecting children and uh, people in our age group. And I thought mm -hmm. maybe that has something to do with vaccines that they got, uh, because we all know that, you know, when we're born or whatever, most people get the slew of vaccines that are um, in trend at the time. And I'm like, maybe it's something that we have or we got that they didn't get that's affecting them so badly or maybe vice versa i don't know um because it just seems strange that even people just just over 40 seems it's like they're at risk and i'm like i, I kind of want to go back and see what vaccines were implemented you know like added to this booster thing that they didn't get that we may have because I, i'm just curious to see if there's a connection there that's an interesting point that's an interesting point the only the only connection that i was able to come up with for it was that that age group of people are the ones that have all the money in the stock market and they have, you know, a lot of the 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 wealth that's stored away, right? People under 40 tend to live paycheck to paycheck by and large, but older people tend to have maybe their retirement together, maybe their retirement's tied up in a 401k, which is usually what it is, and so it's in the stock market. So one way to crash it is to scare people into taking out their money because of the crash and to crash it and so you so that was the only one that that I had come up with, but that's a really interesting point that there might be something like some kind of Trojan horse that was put in us um, to keep us from getting it. But man, I don't I don't know why they'd want us to to live because like 50 year old people don't ride in the streets, you know? It's, right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't. I, maybe it was accidental. I don't know. Like I said, it was just a thought that popped into my mind, and I'm like, yep. I have to put this on the list of things that I, I need to research later because. It just seemed very odd to me that usually any illness that affects older people is because they have a weak immune system and the same goes for children. But they're just talking about how overwhelmingly the children, even if they do get it, that they're basically just carriers for it. And I'm like, that is very strange. Um, it's very it's very strange. So I'm wondering why. But they, they're not really saying anything about that. Even the CDC website, which I'm trying to get all my information directly from, um, but the CDC website doesn't have any information on like how long does this virus survive on a surface or mm -hmm. how long does it survive on clothing or is is it a virus that can be killed by certain temperature doesn't survive well in certain temperatures like there's no information on the CDC website about that. And I'm like, why? If we're truly trying to combat this, then 
you know, maybe all the information that people are circulating regarding those things is just made up and false and they don't, they don't know. And that's why they're not putting it out there. But I'm like, I, I don't know. It just seems like very, very strange to me. Um, and I, I'm going to have to look on some CDC, like a CDC websites from other countries to see what they're, what kind of information they're putting out. Because it just, I think it's strange that among social media, people are posting all these, you know, things, oh, it can live on your clothing for this long and it lives on surfaces for this long. And I'm like, where are they getting this? Are they just making it up? Because that's not listed anywhere on the CDC website. So yeah, but it gets clicks. Yeah, it does. It does. So I'm like, is this just fake news? Somebody is posting because they want it to be shared a lot. Or is this information that another country has posted that America is just not posting on their website? Like, I, I don't know. That's yep. That's another very, very good point. What do you do you think there's any correlation between this coming out in an election year? Mm, I think that if this is I mean, personally, the more information that I find out, I feel like that this is some kind of escaped um, bioweapon. I don't I don't I just think it's too good of timing. I don't know. Maybe it wasn't released on purpose, but I'm finding it very hard to believe that we've dealt with coronaviruses before and that this was just lurking out here and some random person happened to. Uh, you know, eat a bat or whatever they're they're claiming it is now, and and that's yeah. what brought this all on. It's like really, I mean, that just seems like really, really, really hard to believe that one person getting infected and now it's all over. I have an easier time believing that all the stuff going on in Wuhan and the connections to the people in the U.S. that maybe they were developing some type of virus and that it was accidentally released. Um, so I don't know. I don't know. Sorry. Ask me that question again. Let me not get off on a tangent. <laughs> yeah, no, no, that's that is OK. I think I think we're at the part where we've laid out maybe all the facts that we can like concretely find. And I love the speculation part of it, too. And this is where I, I love to go deep on, on things and really try to bend it. But um, I, yeah, I think you're right. One thing I've been worried about is uh, our voting. You know, like if this thing gets bad enough and it's oh, like yeah, yeah, yeah. The long enough. Yeah, yeah like, I, I saw a post the other day. From? That some it was from I forget the name of the website. It came up on a Snapchat ad, and I was like, oh, of course. Like now I see it. Okay, because they're like, oh, you know, call your congressman, call your senators, tell them that we need to have vote by phone. And I was like, oh, okay, this is the direction we're gonna go with this. Like, so yeah, I'm starting to see like maybe maybe if this really did all just come from random. Uh, the infection just came out random and it's just this virus is just spreading and it's just all coincidence. There's no plotting behind it. Maybe it's innocent and they really are worried about it affecting the elections. But if it's not, um, it seems very convenient that, that, that they're already yeah. pushing the rhetoric of, oh, let's vote by phone or let's vote by computer. And, it, you know, lots of we already saw in the first primaries or the first caucuses that this shadow app and all of the things that went wrong with this. And I'm like, clearly, as far as we've come with technology, we haven't found a way to make it so that it can't be hacked or tampered with. So oh, the yeah. fact that we're glazing over that and now moving on to try to urge people to vote by phone, I'm like, okay, this is just yeah. wonderful. And look, just the name Shadow, I've said this before, but people are so fucking hilarious that we would trust in companies named Shadow or Merck. Like <laughs> one of the names of, the vac of a vaccine company, the, one of the biggest, is named Merck. Like what? What? What is the what? What do we say as Merc today? Like if you get Merc, like you just got ganked on a video game, or like you know, like somebody just got Merc. Like you're watching like some graphic fight video on Instagram. Like oh shit, he got Merc. 
Like, why would you name a company that's set out to heal people and is centered on health? Why would you name it Merck? Why would you name a company that's going to take your votes and supposed to be a democratic thing, free? Like, why would you name it Shadow? What? what yeah, Mick we- and I were laughing about this on, on one of the last episodes of our podcast. We've been on kind of a break because she decided to road trip around the country. And I was like, oh, that's smart. You know, <laughs> Corona. But OK, just road trip around. But um yeah, we were talking about this shadow and I'm like, well, I'm waiting. I'm just waiting for the, you know, like the music to start playing. Like when you're in a video game and you walk upon an enemy and the, the music starts playing. I'm like, I'm, I'm waiting for this because I feel like we're in a movie right now. Yeah. <laughs> like Batman's going to swoop down or something. And I don't know, like, what the fuck? <laughs> it's just it's it's too good. It writes itself. I know. Let's hope it's Joe Rogan and Elon Musk and like. <laughs> <laughs> in tidy whities and in capes, and they swoop in and kick Trump in the balls and and give uh, Joe Biden a swirly, and then you know things, then there's harmony established again. You know? <laughs> the classic story. It's the it's the gods versus the titans, you know. <laughs> Jesus. Um. So last little thing I want to bring up because I my mind always goes to a place of a cult. Like when I talk about the Titanic conspiracy or 9/11, um, I think a really important thing to to look at there is that it looks a lot like a human sacrifice ritual, right? It looks like the practice of sacrificing humans to extend your power, which is something that goes back to the Aztecs. They understood that. Um, the uh, Some of the occult practices that came 